everybody. Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter is Adam Max Sports. Instagram is also Adam Max Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 173 semifinals for the college football playoff for last night. They were awesome. We're going to break down that Michigan-Washington game when we get there. But of course, the usual NFL power rankings, top fives, MVP uh, after week 17. We pretty much should know what's going to happen now. Um, Most guys will be resting from the top teams and some other NFL stuff too after that, Kyle. Yeah, going to be a pretty typical NFL week 18 where we have a few games that mean a ton and a lot of games that don't mean anything except for maybe draft position. But uh, we'll get right into it with the opener. We obviously had the two college games yesterday with Alabama versus Michigan in the Rose Bowl and then Texas versus Washington for the other spot in the college football national championship. And one thing that we tuned into for a little bit, at least during the Michigan-Alabama game it is, uh, was the McAfee broadcast. Him and his crew was at the Rose Bowl. His entire podcast team, whether it's Boston Connor, Ty Schmidt, all those dudes that are practically just like normal dudes there and got to be on the field talking. They're having a fun time saying a lot of crazy things that you would usually not see on ESPN. And good to see that we got, had the chance to tune into that for a little bit because there's there's a little bit of comedic relief there, I'd say. Yeah, it's always good to get the player's perspective, too. Even if they are joking around, you're still getting something out of it. Mm. which, uh, I mean, good for Alex. I guess he called it. We switched the broadcast, and uh, his team won. Yeah. Um, congratulations, man. Best thing I saw, I won a championship, too, this week. Fantasy football. i uh bringing home all the money here. I beat Brett barely, 137 to 135 and a half. Shout out to Brees Hall, 27 and a half points. Rishi Rice and Joku both had great games, over 100 yards. That was what I was mostly concerned about until we got to Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a full matchup with that, with how crazy it came down to, because it was 13 point game going into that Sunday night matchup between the Packers and the Vikings. Brett had Justin Jefferson and you would think just from based off of past history games that he's been healthy for the entirety. He's getting 13 points pretty much every single time. And he did it this time. So it was crazy to see. Fun game to watch from a fan perspective as well, too, even though the you know the game itself wasn't super, super close. Mm-hmm. Uh, but down to the wire for a lot of fantasy leagues, uh, especially in ours. We'll get into our AFC, NFC, and MVP top five. This might be our second to last one of these that we'll do because after next week, we'll be in the playoffs, so we yeah. won't have to do them anymore. But I'll say the magic words again, Skyler. Any team in the AFC outside of the top five that you want to mention before we get started? There are a couple here. The AFC is going to be a very interesting finish. Uh, Pittsburgh's playing great football right now with Mason Rudolph. Beating Seattle was was massive, but they do have a lot of things that need to go their way to get into the playoffs. And then you got the Houston Texans. They could potentially jump into this top five for that final, I guess, ranking next week from mm-hmm. us. If they beat Indianapolis with CJ Stroud back. Yeah, I would say all the teams in the South would, would be my you know honorable mentions. Mm. Moving on though, number five, Skeller, who got the last spot on your rankings? It's Kansas City. Not much movement for me in the AFC this week. They finally bounced back, but 
you know, one touchdown to seven field goals, that's not going to help in a potential matchup against the Buffalo Miami loser or even Cleveland who takes more risks than Kansas City does. It's just not looking great for them. Uh, all they got going for them is that, uh, you know, Hall of Fame level quarterback on their side. So mm. we'll see when we get there. Yeah. Kansas City is my five spot as well, too. They don't move up or down from last week. Game against Cincy was probably a bit more uh, skeptical than what you would think. You would expect a good bounce back win from them. They do obviously get the win with the help of Rishi Rice, but it wasn't that easy. And to see Kansas City not playing good ball right now is pretty weird to see. Uh, but still division champs. They're still going to be playing at home that first weekend in the playoffs. But after that, it's going to be on the road. So Kansas City's in the five spot on a number four. Number four, we got Cleveland, 11-5. and five. Also staying put. They've been pretty fun to watch. They put up some points on that Jets defense for sure. But they're still very reckless. And after watching them closer these past weeks, after thinking like, hey, are these guys actually for real? I may change my opinion on them winning multiple playoff games after seeing how careless they've been with the football. But obviously, you know, things change when you get to the postseason. They may have that fixed up by then. Yeah. Number four for me is going to be where I slot the Miami Dolphins. Moving down a couple spots after the big loss to the Ravens last week. And we allow hiccups. That's something that we do. But this was not a hiccup. This was just from the beginning of the game, we had no answer for the Ravens. And it looked at the start, you know, the first quarter, quarter and a half for like, oh, maybe Miami kind of sticks in it. But then the turnover start. Baltimore's defense does what they do. And then Miami couldn't stop Baltimore at all. It ended up being 56 to 19 blowout. That's a second bad blowout loss that Miami has had this week. The other one was against Buffalo. And that's who they play next week for the division. With the momentum of everything going on, I got Miami down at the four spot. No, on at number three. Well, perfect transition. I got Miami here at the three spot, 11 and five. Yeah, they absolutely got crushed by Baltimore. But I was expecting this to happen. So I'm not going to move them below Cleveland yet. Obviously, Sunday night football against Buffalo is a massive one. I don't have my pick for that one yet. I guess uh, maybe as we get deeper into the show, we can talk about that game if we need to. Mm. But Buffalo beat them earlier this year. So that's why Miami's at three. Yeah. As of right now, my rankings kind of go off of how, how well can you play against the number one team? And that, cause that's what you're going to need to do in order to get to the top. And that's why Cleveland kind of leapfrogs Miami here and goes to the three spot for me, four straight wins now for them. I know, you know, it's against the jets. It's not against the greatest quarterback, but it's against good defense and they put up a lot of points. And I know their defense scored a touchdown in that game as well too, but Cleveland looks good right now. They've already beaten Baltimore this year. Black was probably playing better than what Watson did in that game as well, too. Actually, Watson, if I remember correctly, that game against Baltimore and Baltimore that they won, he played a tail two halves where he was awful in the first and then really good in the second. So maybe a bit more consistency from elite Joe Flacco. I like the Browns, man. 11-5, they're going to be just fine. And uh, probably not, obviously not going to win the division, but... You're going to be playing at the four seed. Whoever wins the South in the first round, I think they'll they'll be just fine in that game. On number two. Number two, we got the Buffalo Bills, 10 and 6. They take down New England thanks to the defense this time. Um, but obviously, they've been running the ball great. 
the defense hasn't dropped a bit despite losing three of their best defensive players, if not the top three defensive players on their squad. And it's it's all going down in Miami Sunday night. Yeah. I got Buffalo in my two spot. Five out of six for them. Even that Eagles game that they lost you know, a month and a half ago, they still look good in that game too. So still six good games in a row is what I would say. It all comes down to this final week against Miami. Crazy scenario where you can either get the two seed or you can completely miss out on the playoffs, which is just insane to say. Uh, but Buffalo kind of put themselves in this spot when they lost, you know, three out of four in the middle part of the season against some teams that they should probably beat. And now they're they're having to pay for it. So comes down to Sunday night, them versus Miami for the AFC East and for that playoff spot for Buffalo. If you remember nine years ago, the Jets were in that same spot and they went from two seed to out of the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it's definitely possible. And the number one spot. Yeah, that's the Baltimore Ravens, 13 and three. They destroy Miami for the sixth in a row, locking up the one seed. Everyone will be resting next week. Yeah, six in a row. For Baltimore, they look as good as we've seen an NFL team look in the last, you know, five to six years. Just kind of crazy to think that this team lost to Indianapolis at home in week three. And look how far that team has come now at this point where they just absolutely just destroy the Dolphins, beat the Niners handily, beat the Jags who made the playoffs last year, beat the Rams, beat the Chargers, beat the Bengals. This team's legit, man. And uh, we're going to see him rest everybody on Saturday against the Steelers and then rest everybody the next week as well, too, because they got the bye. So we'll see you in three weeks, Lamar. On to the NFC side, Skyler. Anybody in the sixth or seventh spot that you want to mention? Yeah, the Bucks and the Packers have been pretty locked in offensively this year. Um, Baker and Jordan Love, respectively, have, have been a lot better than people thought. They just haven't been as consistent as the Rams. Yeah, I would put the the Packers in my honorable mention and then if i i really wanted to i think it could throw the bears in there i know they're eliminated sure. but they've been playing good ball as of late and i think they're you know up there as far as you know sixth or seventh best team currently in the nfc number five it is those pesky rams i was just talking about uh would be eight wins in a row if they could have beaten baltimore in overtime this team is on fire yet it seems like they only dominate the time of possession but they clinched the playoff spot anyway, so it's no worries against San Francisco. They've been fine. Yeah, they're at the point now where they can rest their starters versus the the Niners if they really want to. Obviously, I think they can move down to the seven spot if they lose and another one of the teams wins that's trying to get that last spot. But regardless, it's not a huge sweat week against the Niners. That's exactly what you wanted for the Rams. They won all the games that they should win. I think I said two, three weeks ago, you've got to win these next three against the Commanders, Saints, and Giants. They did exactly that. That's why they've been the five spot on my rankings for the last, you know, six to seven weeks at this point. Moving on to number four. Philly uh, has to stay at four because they have 11 wins, but it actually happened. Well, they lost to the Cardinals. We had mentioned that the Cardinals were sleepers, but I don't know if anybody thought they were capable of scoring 35 points on Philly this season. That's four losses in five weeks for Philly. Um, luckily for them, they haven't had a lot of competition from the NFC, so they're going to stay at one of those top seeds. And, of course, they're still alive. It's it's 11 wins. Yeah. Yeah, they, they 
did themselves a lot of favors by winning a lot of games early in the early part of the season, even in the games that they didn't look too good in. But it has not been that same story in the second half of the season. Like you said, losers of four out of five. The only one that you had was against the Giants at home in a game that you guys didn't really even look that good in. They play the Giants again this week. Whether you play the starters, whether you don't play the starters, I they're they're going to play them because they have a chance at the division still, even mm-hmm. though they need Washington to beat Dallas and it's like a 14-point spread. They got to get right. Uh, I don't know exactly how they get right now at this point because it just seems like whatever they try, it's going wrong. You know, Jalen Hurts plays bad. They lose. Jalen Hurts has a good game last week, throws three touchdowns, doesn't throw an interception, and the defense can't get a single stop against Arizona, who hasn't had the same offense in back-to-back weeks this entire year, it feels like. And now you're stumbling. Uh, luckily for them, though, they'll be playing the Bucks, the Saints, or the Falcons in the first round, so they should be fine in that game. But after that, it gets a whole lot scarier, especially playing on the road the rest of the way out after that. Number three. So the Detroit Lions will be dropping down a spot here. Pretty gutsy performance, though, from Detroit, especially Dan Campbell. Um, But they didn't lose that game just because of of an illegal formation. Dak got outplayed by Goff uh, by a pretty big margin. We know that most of the time the quarterback who can take over the game and make changes at the line to put his team in position to win usually pulls it out. That's what happened. I'm putting Dallas at the three spot. They're going to move down. Uh, I know that they beat the lions, but everybody knows that they probably should have won that game. Obviously who knows if that gets the ball 20 seconds left. He drives down and gets a field goal, but I'm saying that's a dub for the lions. I know it won't count, but if strictly power rankings, how we do our thing, the Lions are a better team than the Dallas Cowboys. But with that being said, good job on Dallas and locking up the division pretty much. Uh, just got to beat the Commanders. Number two. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys took care of business. It's a pretty close one, but they did it. They finished the season perfect at home. So that number two seed that will likely happen after beating Washington uh, is going to mean a lot for them in the playoffs. They are usually a one and done type of team. Mm-hmm. but hosting a seven seed from this NFC, pretty lucky. Now, number two for me is going to be the Detroit Lions. In my book, Power Rankings book, that's a W for them against the Cowboys. Again, I know it wasn't how it actually went down. There's an L in the last column or a plus one in the last column right now, but who played the better game is the Lions. They just got, you know, unfortunately... Screwed over by the refs. But good job on the Lions. Still going to win the division. Still going to be a three seed at the absolute worst. Uh, And I guess the best now. Actually, no, not the best. Because Dallas could technically lose again and have that all go down. But regardless, the Lions are playing good football right now. I'm not worried about them even after a loss against the Cowboys. And number one. 12-4 12-4 and four Niners, also taking care of business, getting that one seed, uh, escape Washington relatively injury-free. CMC re-aggravated the calf, but they say he's fine. Um, go Jordan Mason. It's going to be his week next week. Sam Darnold. Yeah. It's a uh, game against Washington. Uh, I have the Niners at one as well, too. It wasn't as pretty as you would expect in the first half, but in the second half, they dominated both, dominated both sides of the ball, forcing turnovers getting the job done in the red zone uh, and 
winning that game the way that they should by 17 points. Game against the Rams this next week. It's a get-right game. You don't have to play any of you guys. You're just in the exact same situation that Baltimore's in. Where you're not going to play this week. You're not going to play next week. We'll see you in three weeks uh, in the divisional round playing at home. So good on the Niners sitting at 12-4. and four. Moving on, though, to our MVP power rankings. This is where it's getting real. I think we all know who's number one at this point. But besides that, Skyler, who are the other guys? We will start off with honorable mentions slash the five spot. Yeah, uh, as usual here, it's all the quarterbacks who are going to get votes. Um, just didn't have a spot for them. It's Brock Purdy, Tua, Stafford, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. You want me to go into the five or you got? Uh, I'll stay. I'll, I'll go with my five. And uh, kind of piggybacking why I want to do this is because my five spot is all those quarterbacks. So I got <laughs> Dak to a Brock Purdy and Josh Allen as my five guys in the five spot. Yeah, I'm a hundred, hundred percent on board with that. Uh, they're probably going to be there in some, some order as the, the four five, but I do have TJ Watt still at the five. Uh, he's been a big reason why Pittsburgh's still alive. Not a lot of defensive players have ever been able to say that still 17 sacks with all the Pass deflections, tackles for loss, forced fumbles. He's going to win Depoy over Bland, Miles Garrett, some others who haven't been that consistent all season. So good for him. Yeah. I actually think Miles Garrett is the technical odds favorite right now for Depoy, which is kind of crazy to me. But regardless, moving into the four spots, I have two guys again here as well, too. So shoot me for doing my rankings a little weird, but I have Mostert who didn't play last week, but obviously still has, you know, 20-something touchdowns at this point of the season. And the other guy, somebody who has not made the list before, would definitely be on this list for you if you played 16 games, would definitely be on this list higher if you played 16 games for me. And that's Kyron Williams. 12 touchdowns, yeah. second in the league in rushing yards right now, and he's only played 12 games. He's been amazing. What a find for the Rams. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I still have Tyreek, though, in my four. Yeah. You know, he was basically unguardable the entire season. He's going to finish first in receiving yards unless, for some reason, CeeDee Lamb has another 200-yard game. Um, it, it sucks he got hurt. Against Washington, honestly. That, I mean, that that's true. That's true, but it, it, it sucks that he got hurt because he had a real case at certain points in the season. Mm-hmm. Number three, T.J. Watt. I've talked about this guy so much. I'm not going to talk about him too much longer. So TJ Watt is in the three spot. Yeah. Well, CMC at the three spot for me. He drops down two spots. It's been a dominant Marshall Falk type season for CMC, but we all knew the voters would eventually agree on a quarterback and they're definitely going to lean to the more recent games for this voting. So CMC just ends up being the odd man out. Yeah. CMC is in my two spot. He's not going to play week 17 or week 18. That is uh, so we can kind of just look back at the season that CMC had 272 rushes, 1,459 rushing yards with 14 touchdowns on the ground, as well as 67 catches for 564 yards and seven touchdowns, a career high for the running back 21 total touchdowns got hurt this week against the commanders. Like you said earlier, didn't affect them too much, uh, especially just because that Washington defense is so bad. CMC, man, what a season. Yeah. 
And who's your two? I still have Dak Prescott at the two. It was another great game against Detroit. He was so in charge, like I was saying, of the offense, changing everything at the line. And it was just enough to win. Number one. This guy, I believe, is minus 20,000 MVP favorite now. That's Lamar Jackson. And it's, it's not close anymore. He put a stamp on whatever the race was going into this last week. I thought that he had it won the week before, but he just said, screw it. Five touchdowns, three incompletions, 321 yards, reminiscent of the game that he started his first MVP season with in that game and Miami uh, in 2019. Lamar Jackson is your NFL MVP for the second time in his career. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's back up at the top here. Plus two. I had said last week, if a quarterback wins, it should be Dak. Uh, But obviously things have changed. Lamar decided to beat the brakes off of Miami, a team that many people thought had just as much firepower, if not more, with 56 points and five touchdowns. Incredible season. And I'm just happy I had Lamar in my top five at some point earlier this year. So it wasn't a complete shock for everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it was such a weird season. That's for sure was a weird season. We're not going to get, you know, a touchdown passer 40 plus. We're not going to get a guy throwing for 5,000 yards. I don't have the last time that that happened uh, off the top of my head, but it feels like it's been a while. 2022, it happened. 2021, we had somebody do it. 2020, we had Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, can you imagine if Aaron Rodgers had the 48 touchdowns, five interception season this year? No. It, in 2019, we didn't have a 40-yard or 40-touchdown passer, but Jameis threw for 5,000-plus. 2018, we had multiple guys with 5,000. Mahomes threw for 50 touchdowns. It's been a long time is what I'm trying to say. And, man, uh, Lamar, Lamar, that's all i got to say. Moving on, though, to our QB tier list. This is a fun one that we have. We have uh, – 32 QBs, so it's the guy who's pretty much played the most amount of snaps for every single team in the NFL. Our tier list that we had had some weird guys on it, so we you know, replaced Aaron Rodgers for Zach Wilson. We replaced Will Levis for Ryan Tannehill. We replaced Gardner Minshew for Anthony Richardson, Bailey Zappi for Mac Jones, Joe Flacco for Deshaun Watson, and O'Connell for Jimmy Garoppolo and Jake Browning for Joe Burrow. So if we we accidentally say one of the guys that's got hurt, just know that we're talking about the other dude. Uh, but with that being said, D tier, C tier, B tier, A tier, and S tier. Skyler, we'll start off with the D tier. All right. How many guys do you have in there? And, and explain the guys that you have on that list. So I have seven guys in the D tier here. I imagine this as the backups tier. It, it's led by Sam Howell, who started off great, put up some great numbers, but just doesn't really have it right now. It's possible Washington's going to move on from him. Then we got Jake Browning, who has put up some crazy numbers, but we know he's a backup. He's not going after any money next season. He's going to be backing up Joe Burrow. Then I got Bailey Zappi and Aiden O'Connell. Pretty similar situation where they were kind of thrown into the wolves here. You can even include Zach Wilson if you want. Um, it, It just wasn't supposed to go down this way. And they did as well as they possibly could. And then after that, we got Bryce Young with horrendous numbers. The reason why he's lower is because he didn't win some of the other big games that Zach Wilson, Aiden O'Connell have won this season. 
even though it's not his fault. We all know this. Um, mm. And we're all rooting for him. We hope he turns it around next year. He just has no help. And it's it's going down a very scary path. And at the bottom, we have Desmond Ritter. It's a great roster, and he just can't find the playmakers. It's very hard to watch. Yeah. In my D tier, I also have seven guys. And I'll get started with Sam Howell. I don't have him listed in order within the tier itself, but I got all the guys in him regardless. First off, Sam Howell, just an absolute gunslinger. It's like a worse version of Jameis Winston <laughs> when he was on the Bucks. Steven had to bench him. Brissett comes in, plays decent, and then he gets hurt and, and can't play when he gets his chance. But Sam Howell, you had your year, you had your chance. Nobody's going to be able to say that he didn't. So Sam Howell in D tier. Next up, Desmond Ritter. As sad as it is, I absolutely loved watching this guy play in college, but he's not good at the NFL level. He has Drake London, has Cal Pitts, has B. John Robinson. I know maybe the plays aren't doing him any favor, but he has not been doing himself any favor as well, too. So Desmond Ritter's in the D tier. Next up is Kenny Pickett. Uh, he's had some good moments, but he doesn't do anything consistent enough to be like, yeah, you know, this is our guy. He's going to be a backup. Uh, whether that's in Pittsburgh, whether that's, you know, in another team, he, he's not going to be a guy who you would feel comfortable as you're starting QB in the future. Next up, the, this last group of four guys, it's pretty interesting. Uh, Zach Wilson just kind of got thrusted into a bad spot again. I know it feels weird. It feels like he's a starter just because A-Rod got hurt so early in the season, but that was never the plan for him to start regardless. Uh, and he's had good moments, but not a lot of good games in total. So he has to stay in the D tier. Bailey Zappi's the next one. Kind of the same spot with just how bad Mac Jones has been. Uh, Bailey Zappi had to take over. Didn't really have the best supporting casts and kind of got screwed over that way. Uh, Aiden O'Connell is the next guy that I have. His numbers don't look that bad. He's had a couple bad games and a couple really good games. But when you watch the throws, especially as much as I have, I know this guy is not going to be more than a backup in the league, unfortunately. That was just a sad story because he had a really good preseason. And then the last guy is Daniel Jones. Uh, I thought he played like shit this year. He had one of the better supporting casts that he's had in a long time. Uh, what he did last year with it was pretty remarkable. What Saquon did with it last year actually was pretty remarkable. What Danny Jones, Daniel Dimes did with it in the time that he was healthy this year was not enough for me to put him any higher than the DTR. I never thought they should have given him that contract. He turns the ball over too much, uh, and he is in the D tier for me. Moving on up, though. C tier. Who do you got? All right. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to go in backwards order because I do kind of have him. It's not a perfect rank, mm-hmm. but I can start from the back here. This is kind of my average starter C tier. We'll start with Kenny Pickett since you were just talking about him. I think him and Will Levis, who are right next to each other at the end of the average starter, just need some more time. Um, I, I'm not willing to write off Kenny Pickett yet. We know he he has the physical tools. He's obviously better than Mason Rudolph. And Will Levis, just keep the man healthy so we actually find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> next, uh, in the average starter teal, we have uh, Gino right next to, to Daniel Jones here. Um just guys who have been declining. I know Daniel Jones is hurt, but they're they're not keeping him because they want to keep him. They're keeping him because they owe him so much money. Geno Smith looks like he's on the decline, um, but he's a guy you can throw out there to beat a bad team. 
and be okay with it. Uh, moving slightly up the list of the average starter, I got Russell Wilson and Derek Carr. They've had respectable seasons here, winning, you know, enough games to stay in the league, basically. Next, in his own tier, I guess, is Gardner Minshew. He's the ultimate bridge starter. That's why he's up here. And then my top player in the C tier is Justin Fields. Um, a great couple weeks in a row here, um, you know, making a case to to stay in Chicago and not be traded. But another guy we just need to see a little bit more from. Yeah. My C tier has eight different guys. I'll go through each of them now. The first one, Will Levis. I like him more than everybody in the D tier. I think he's got the ability to be really good. Just needs to stay healthy and needs to have a couple more people to throw the ball to than just DeAndre Hopkins, who's, you know, uh, on the back end of his career, to say the least. Next up is Gardner Minshew. If this guy was my week one starting quarterback, I would not be happy. But with how he's taken the Colts to be in the spot that they are in, it's hard to ignore that he's played pretty decent in this opportunity that he's had. So Gardner Minshew is in the C tier. Next up, Jake Browning. Again, don't want this guy to be your starter at any point in the season as the number one plan. As far as backups go, he's got the ability to make a lot of throws. And that's exactly what you would like to see from a backup, either that or ridiculously smart. And Jake Browning might not be the smartest, but he's got really good arm talent. And I like that. Next up is Bryce Young. Terrible season, but he has literally nobody. He has an Adam Thielen that looked washed last year. Uh, And I know Thielen's had a good resurgence here, but that might also just be because he has to get the ball so much in this offense. Uh, So Bryce Young is in the C tier instead of being in the D tier. Next up is Geno Smith. Last year, if we were doing this, I'd put Gino in the B tier. This year, he does not look as good as what he did last year. I know he's had a couple good games. He's not afraid to fire it whenever. He's got good arm talent. But, man, is the consistency isn't there from what we saw last year. It's kind of like a Linsanity run of the entire season. Next up, Russell Wilson. Honestly, not that bad of a year. I thought he played pretty decent. Just not as many big games as what we're used to seeing Russell Wilson have and not enough to get into the B tier uh, where he goes in the future. I'm not too sure, but I would put money on Pittsburgh if I really had to. After that, Derek Carr is the second to last guy I have in the C tier. I don't know what to say about Derek Carr. I don't want to say that he's holding the Saints back, but I also don't want to say that he's propelling them to anywhere. So he's like the 0.0 war starting quarterback right now where he's just <laughs> insanely average uh pretty much everything honestly except for you know, arm strength uh but regardless their cars in the c tier and then the last one this one's kind of crazy but i have trevor lawrence in the c tier because he has a ton of weapons and he hasn't been able to do anything with them this year he's only got one more passing touchdown than kirk cousins 12 interceptions on the year I mean, you look at the guys that he's throwing to. Evan Ingram is good. Christian Kirk, I know he's been hurt for a bit, but he's good. Calvin Ridley was once a top five receiver in the league as far as receiving yards goes. A Jones is a great wide receiver three. He has a great running back in Travis Etienne and a decent line as well, too. And he just hasn't done anything with it this year. We expected to see, you know, that secondary jump from Trevor Lawrence last year where he turned into star quarterback into superstar quarterback. We did not get that at all this year, and it's been really disappointing to see from the guy that we, you know, once deemed the golden boy. 
Damn. Moving on to the B tier, Scatter. This is the one that I have the most people in. Yeah, I got 10. Yeah. All right. So for this tier, tier B, I think of this as the above average starter group. If these guys had to go out and win a playoff game, they either can or already have. So we'll start this off. And I like that, you know, grouping two guys who are similar together here. So I got two veterans, Kirk Cousins, who was unfortunately injured this year, and Joe Flacco, who had to step in for a couple of injuries. Those are two guys who I'm very confident could play well in the playoffs. They're obviously from the north. That's already, uh, you know, an advantage. You're used to the cold and um, just sucks for Kirk Cousins. They, Minnesota definitely would be in the playoff race this year. Um, sucks. All right. Well, we'll move on to Jordan Love here, uh, who has ridiculous traits this season. And it seems like he can go about two games in a row of playing awesome football and just lose it. So some more consistency could get him up to an elite tier here. Uh, then we got Baker Mayfield. He's won a playoff game before. He's got a lot of weapons, and he's learning how to use them in Tampa Bay. Uh, they had a rough week against New Orleans. I'm hoping he can bounce back from that because Tampa is an interesting upset team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, we got two guys here who actually faced off in the playoffs last year, I believe. Um, or no, this was the week before, right? Her Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. No, they played in the playoffs. That was uh, when Good. the Chargers choked. Yeah, massive choke there. Two guys with possibly the two best arms in the NFL outside of Patrick Mahomes. And um, we're going to be seeing a lot from them. They've just been a little, little uh, underwhelming so far. That's why they're not, not higher. Then there's CJ Stroud. Of course, I think he leads the group of guys who haven't quite been there before. He's going to be here for a long time. Great arm. Of course, just stay healthy, man. Next uh, we got to group these two. Of course, they're right next to each other. Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. They were traded for each other. Um, but two guys who, you know, despite all the haters have, Pulled off pretty ridiculous seasons, respectively. And then there's Kyler Murray leading the B tier. I think he can be an elite quarterback someday. Another guy with the freaking injury history, which sucks. Just get him some help. Mm. They just beat the freaking Eagles. Get this man some help. So moving on to my B tier, I got nine guys in this one. And the first one I'm going to talk about is Kyler Murray. He's had a weird year, you know, coming back from the torn ACL, going on to a bad team, having Hollywood Brown there, who he really hasn't fully meshed with yet, kind of, in a weird way, I would say. We saw Trey McBride kind of, you know, come into his own once Kyler Murray got healthy. So we're still learning what Trey McBride is. We're still learning what Kyler is post-injury, I would say, as well, too. Uh, and I'd say safe tier for him is in the B spot. I'm not going to move him higher. I'm not going to move him lower. I just haven't seen enough of him, and I haven't watched, you know, Cardinal games super mm-hmm. closely since he came back, since they, just because they've been so far out the entire time. Uh, but Kyler's in, in, in an average spot right now. Next up, Joe Flacco, because why not? I mean, this dude's been slinging it. He's playing some of the best football that we've seen him play. And I know he's throwing a, a ton of interceptions in the games that he's played. Uh, he's also made some crazy damn good throws uh, in every single game that he's played too. It's not just, you know, one off against bad defense. He's having putting up big numbers against good defenses. And Joe Flacco's playing some of the best football he's played in his entire life right now. That's why he's in the B tier. Uh, next up, 
is Matthew Stafford. Last year, I kind of wrote off Matthew Stafford. I didn't think the Rams would be good this year. I knew they had a lot of the guys coming back from their Super Bowl team, but it just didn't it didn't feel like Stafford was the same after the Super Bowl. Last year, we saw arm talent down. He wasn't able to hit the deep ball. He wasn't able to hit the guys over the middle. And it just, it was a mess. And I think, I thought it was going to be more of the same this year. Stafford became the same quarterback that he was in the year that they won the Super Bowl this year. And Stafford, I mean, he's good. And so he's in the B tier. Next up is Baker Mayfield. Like you said, learning how to play with his weapons is the biggest thing that we are seeing from him right now. Slow start in the beginning of the year as far as numbers go. Turn it up as of late. I know he had a bad game against the Saints, but stuff like that happens in that division where these crazy defensive games happen out of nowhere. And uh, he just got one of those this past week. So Baker Mayfield's in the middle of my B tier. Next up is Justin Fields. I mentioned the Bears as one of my possible honorable mentions in the NFC as far as teams outside of the top five. He's the main reason why they would be in that uh, consideration because he's been playing really good ball as of late. Obviously, one of the you know biggest dual threats in the entire league as far as running and throwing the ball deep. Uh, and he's starting to master those two things. If he doesn't get the job in Chicago, please... Raiders, let's go get him. Uh, next up is CJ Stroud, the highest rookie on this list by quite a wide margin. Has <laughs> some of the best games of any quarterback the entire season this year. And he's still, what, 21, 22 years old. So this guy's going to be a nest here at some point in his career. Just as of right now, in B tier, still learning, still going through some rookie mistakes. But I think Stroud is going to be just fine. After that, we have Jalen Hurts, who I'm a huge fan of, but this year is not playing any higher than B tier. He's turned over the ball more than he's had. He's not they're not going deep as much as they did last year, which is kind of weird considering they have, you know, two guys that they can really go deep to and be really successful at. And that's hurting Hurts a lot because that's what he's good at. He's good at the tush push. He's good at escaping the pocket. He's good at moving the ball downfield. They've just taken that aspect out of their offense. So until he does it again, I can't have him higher than a B tier. Uh, next up is Jordan Love. One dude who I also think will probably be an S tier or A tier at some point in his career. Cause he, he just looks like the light skin Aaron Rodgers, man. <laughs> like he, the throws that he makes off platform, whatever he's doing, it's the same thing. And you watch the, he made a throw. It was the touchdown to Jaden Reed. I think it was the first one on Sunday night where he at the 45 yard line or that the 40, but he makes a throw at the 45 yard line. It's like a jump throw and he puts it right on the money. Jaden Reed right at the goal line, 45 yard throw. There's nothing taken off on the arm strength while being in the air as he threw. There's just not a lot of guys that can make that throw. And Jordan Love, when he has that ability and when he's rolling with this young of a team and how they're going to mesh together, this offense is going to be scary, especially if they, you know, add a couple pieces as the years go on. Uh, and then last guy in the B tier is Jared Goff, who stepped it up ever since he left Los Angeles. I wouldn't say he was ever labeled as a bust, but he was labeled as, you know, not as good as the number one pick should be. And he kind of had that same feeling as when Baker went to Carolina of, okay, you know, we're going to see Jared Goff kind of fizzle out of the NFL in a couple years. And he hasn't done that at all. Third year in Detroit, 
he's making that third year jump. He's been really good. Uh, obviously, he's had a couple bad games, mainly against the Bears, but Jared Goff's been good enough to be in the B tier and at the upper echelon part of it as well. On to the A tier, Skyler. I got eight guys left. I have five. Okay. All right. So the A tier here, I consider this to be the elite of the quarterbacks, except Flacco's already, you know, we know he's in the B tier. That's just because he hasn't played a full season. If he did, definitely elite. So I originally had Jalen Hurts at the top of the B spot here of above average. I just think he's too great of a playmaker to leave out of the elite group. It's been rough, but uh, even the games where he's struggling, it takes three, four different attempts to sack this guy. Mm. That's why he's still up there. Uh, Next would be Brock Purdy for me. Kind of ridiculous. Seventh round pick. Got so much hate for that, for doing good. And, um, you know, I'll be honest. I was probably a part of that at some point. Like, no way this guy could keep going for an entire year. But there's more bad games. uh, Excuse me. There's more great games then bad games from Brock Purdy so far in his career. Take a couple of those out, and he is up there in the MVP. Uh, definitely a lot higher. Two more guys here. I got to lump them together. That's Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, two amazing, ridiculous athletes, throwers of the football, great commanders of the offense. I, don't, I think I'm running out of uh, adjectives here. But they're guys who weren't very confident in their weapons this year and try to do a little too much. A lot of mistakes for these two guys, but they're still going to be in the playoffs. That's why they're elite, of course. And my leader of the elite tier here is going to be Tua. He came back from so much. He's got the best numbers out of any of these guys in the elite tier. And um, I I thought he was done, man, to be honest with you. He's kind of perfect for this offense. And that's my, my A tier. So I had eight guys left, five of them are in this A tier for me. Uh, the first guy is a lefty to a Tagovailoa. He has been good. I mean, he's been really damn good this year. I'm not going to lie. I, last year, he had the stretch where, you know, he's really good, and then he's kind of really bad, and then had a good game, then a bad game, and we just didn't really know what Tua we're going to see this year. This year, we're seeing that good Tua pretty much every single week, and maybe we can just chalk those last year's mistakes to being young He's coming into his own. Obviously, he does have probably one of the best offensive coordinators in the league. He has one of the best running backs in the league. He has Waddle and Hill to throw to, and those are two amazing wide receivers. So he's doing well on the weapons department. And maybe if you put, you know, say Jordan Love in this offense or CJ Stroud in this offense, they're just as good. But we don't know that. So two is in the lead tier for me. Uh, Going to be throwing for 30 touchdowns this year, which is pretty re- remarkable for him. So. Moving on is Kirk Cousins in my elite tier. Absolutely. He, in eight games, was one of the best quarterbacks in all of the league. If you put his numbers over a 17-game schedule, he is on par for you know most touchdowns, most yards in the league. Only throwing about 10 interceptions if you make that assumption as well, too. If Kirk was healthy the entire year, I mean, man. With, with the way that we saw Addison get better throughout the season, I know Jetta's got her, but who knows with him, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, this team, this offense would have been a lot of fun to watch, especially with how Kirk was throwing the ball. So he's in my A tier. Uh, last three guys, ridiculous talents. Josh Allen's the first one. Obviously, could be him and Mahomes, the most talented guys in the league. I, I'd say actually the next three all are the 
most three talented guys in the league. But Josh Allen just his only issue is his brain. He he makes bad plays sometimes just because he forces things into he thinks he's better than he is sometimes. And while he's near near perfect as far as tools go, his brain could use a lot of work. So he's in the A tier there, not in the S tier. Next up is Justin Herbert. If you put him on any of these Niner teams, Cowboy teams, maybe not the Ravens, but the the Dolphins, the, this is an instant Super Bowl winner. Uh, what we've seen with him with the Chargers and Brandon Staley was an absolute mess. But when you watch them play and you watch the throws that Herbert makes, it's it's otherworldly with some of the stuff this guy can do. We're going to see it unlocked more, most likely. Next year when he gets another, you know, head coach, most likely on the offensive side of the ball. And that's going to suck for me being a Raider fan. But Justin Herbert is in the A tier. And the last guy, I know he usually is an S tier, but with how he's played this year, he can't be any higher. It's Patrick Mahomes. He's made too many mistakes. Uh, and I think the whole thing, it's, oh, well, Mahomes doesn't have any help. Uh, well, he has the Hall of Fame tight end. He has a guy who the Chiefs fans themselves are saying is going to be a great wide receiver and already is a great wide receiver and then Rishi Rice. So why can you make these two-sided arguments where he has oh, a great receiver and a great tight end, but he doesn't have any weapons? I know Kadaris Tony has had some bad drops. I know MVS has had some bad plays as well too, but pick a fucking side. And I'm on the <laughs> side of this guy's got a lot and he's just not doing as much as he probably should with them. So Probably the worst year of his career right now. Patrick Mahomes is at the top of my A tier. Mm-hmm. S tier, though, Skyler. I got three guys in this. Yeah, I do have two. I misspoke. Five left for the A, but two at the top. Mm-hmm. So the S tier, Kyle. I consider this one the MVP favorites. That's the easiest way to put it. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Dak Prescott. Two guys who have had pretty much a, a revival of their careers here back at the top of S tier guys we thought would probably be B plus for the rest of their careers, but got some new help through the draft. Um, Both have gotten better, smarter, faster, stronger arm. And and it's pretty crazy. I I guess Lamar technically would be at the top of that list. Of course, we just uh, talked about both of these guys for a while earlier. Um, So that's about it. Those are the MVP favorites this season. Now I got three guys in here. First of which I'm going to be talking about Dak Prescott. He's like the perfect blend of a modern day pocket passer where a true pocket passer really isn't a thing. We're not going to see another Tom Brady or Peyton Manning that can't move at all uh, and be successful in the league just because that's even Flacco moves. You know? Yeah, that's how the league has changed. But when you talk about guys who are as comfortable as you can be thrown in the pocket uh, and I mean, he makes plays with his feet, but. He tries to be in the pocket as much as he possibly can. Dak Prescott's the perfect example of it. He can sling it. He's not afraid to throw it into coverage. He knows how good he is. He's not, you know, trying to do too much as like he did last year. And he's having the best season of his career, in my opinion. So Dak Prescott is in the S tier. The next guy, some people might not like this, but Brock Purdy is in my S tier. And I know. Oh, you're putting Mahomes below Brock Purdy. Obviously, Brock Purdy's not better than Mahomes. This year, he is, man. It's it's really not even close. And I know going against Washington, shitty defense, but touchdown to Ayuk. I mean, Mahomes probably doesn't even make that play, to be honest with you. I think the way that 
Purdy's not the fastest, but how he's able to bend his body is really weird for a quarterback who's not super athletic. And I know he's not fast. He's not anything crazy athletically, but his his notion of when to go and where to go in the pocket is really weird, really good and really weird to see from a quarterback this young. Maybe that's just partially just being in the Niner offense. Who knows? Maybe great coaches, but you got to give him a ton of credit for what he's done. And whether you like it or not, he's he's probably the second or third reason of why this Niner team is so good. Uh, and then the S tier, the or the king of the S tier, that is, without a doubt, Lamar Jackson. It's it's not even close at this point. When you look at how the just like the importance that he delivers to that Ravens team. If you were to put Tua on the Ravens, if you were to put Kirk Cousins on the Ravens, Jared Goff on the Ravens, they'd all be eight and nine. They would be, they would (laughs) suck. They would suck. They'd be like, okay, maybe this team makes the playoffs and even with a good defense, but the weapons, man, I mean, Mark Andrews has been hurt the entire year Mm -hmm. or not the entire year, but half of the year. And it feels like Lamar's even playing better without him. He's finding he's turning Isaiah likely into a touchdown machine. Zay Flowers has a ton of talent, but he's maximizing it right now. Odell hasn't even gotten the ball that much, and he's still been good. He's Rashad Bateman, who pretty much everybody labeled as a bust this past year. Still probably is a bust, but is is making enough plays to be a solid receiver on that team. Lamar doesn't have, you know, the Debo, the Iuke, the CMC, the George Kittle to work with, and he's better than that team. And I know maybe the total offensive numbers aren't really there, but man, I mean, Lamar Jackson is otherworldly right now. If I, I was thinking about just putting everybody down a tier and leaving Lamar up, but then I I'd be in a spot where Trevor Lawrence is in the same tier as Bailey Zappi. So I'm not going (laughs) to do that. Uh, Regardless, Lamar Jackson, MVP and the King of the S tier for me and Skyler. What a nice uh, exercise. Now, moving on to our second half, it's a little bit of college football mock draft and then into some MLB moves. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll start it off with college football then. Two amazing games yesterday, man. I mean, Michigan wins in overtime 27 to 20 against Alabama. J.J. McCarthy throws the ball for the first time all season, although it was just for one drive or so. He had three touchdowns and he played pretty well. So good for them. Uh, On the other side, the night game, completely opposite, just starting off on fire. Washington, I mean, Michael Penix Jr. had over 200 yards at halftime and looks like three touchdowns. Sorry, two. Finished with 430. Anyways, Quinn Mm -hmm. Ewers was banged up in this one. He finished okay. You know, we almost saw Arch Manning there. But at the end of the day, Washington, Michael Penix, those receivers, Braylon Trice on the D-line, it was just too much for Texas. So we got ourselves a great matchup. Honestly, these might be the two best teams, man. You got Michigan, the number one defense. Washington, the number one passing offense in all of the nation. Michigan's going to open up at a four and a half point favorite here for Vegas. But I got to tell you what, I like what I've been seeing from Washington. I think this is going to be even closer than four and a half. Yeah, Yeah. I uh, if I were to pick, I'm probably picking Michigan. It's it's tough to pick against the number one defense in the nation, and uh, so we'll see what happens. Well, I, I got a little bit more um, when we get to our bets. So there we go. We got the Natty. That's going to be next Monday. I'll be watching for sure. I know you will if you're not driving. 
No, I'll be there. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Not there, but (laughs) I'll be watching. All right. Uh, My last thing I got here, of course, the mock draft here. No nonsense mock draft. I think this is maybe 5.0 on the podcast. This is all about no trades, no overthinking it. Who makes you better right now? Take them. So number one, I have the Bears taking Caleb Williams, quarterback from USC. This is a couple weeks in a row now. I've been leaning towards Caleb Williams. I've been hearing, though, it may be hard to trade Hurts if uh, she's Fields, not Hurts. He's been playing like him, though. For a, sorry, a second or third round pick from a team like the Raiders uh, when they could trade the number one pick and get a massive haul picks next year and the year after. Um, so that'll be something we return to for sure. Uh, Commanders at number two, they've fallen down after beating, not speeding, losing the Jets, almost came back on them. Drake May, quarterback from North Carolina. Don't think about it too hard. He's obviously better. I know you need O-line, so I guess just just go spend it or take it in the second round. Uh, sorry, guys. Similar strategy here with the Patriots. It's going to make so much more sense when we know who's going to be coaching these teams. But, hey, I gave him Jaden Daniels. Okay? I think they're looking for a guy who's a real playmaker at the quarterback position. They don't really have anything close to that. Who can make up for your loss of not having any good receivers, O-line, offensive coaches? Let this guy just make all of the shots. I know you don't like to hear that. But the Cardinals do because Marvin Harrison Jr. falls right in their lap here at number four. Easiest pick of the draft for them, I think. Um, get another uh, another receiver for Kyler Murray. You know, if he's not there, they're, they're definitely going to be looking defense, though. Number five, New York Giants. Get Malik Neighbors, receiver from LSU. Uh, he's not necessarily my number two receiver, but I think across the league he will be because he's so damn fast. Because um, you have to play one of Tyrod Taylor, DeVito, Danny Dimes next year. You're paying them too much. You can't draft a quarterback in the first round. Number six, the Chargers. Again, no idea what they're going to do, but uh, the best left tackle is still there, Olu Fashanu. Let's uh, keep your quarterback's hand protected. So protect his blind side. How about that? Number seven, the Titans. Uh, miss out on a, a possible top receiver here. So I gave him Brock Bowers, tight end from, from Georgia. Just as good. This is a guy who could block too, so he could help protect. Uh, the Jets at eight. Luckily for them, Joe Alt, tackle from Notre Dame, falls in this situation. Uh, trust me, I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm just trying to create different situations across uh, the top ten here. Number nine, the Falcons probably would take Jaden Daniels, but I do have him taking Michael Penix Jr. here. He's a guy um, I, I've had graded high. I know Kyle's pissed. Uh, just wait for this Raiders pick. Um, Michael Penix Jr., I, I think he's a better player than a lot of people think. Um that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go in the top 10, though. This is more for the no-nonsense purposes. Falcons are on the hot seat. Absolutely. And number 10, the Bears, uh, Roma Dunze. Uh, this pick is probably going to get traded one way or another, but uh, if they stick there, here's a great wide receiver. We just saw him the other night. It's basically like Debo in the body of Keenan Allen. He's just so freaking long. I don't know if that makes sense to you at all. <laughs> I get it. All right, so we'll jump around here. Uh, the Raiders... I have him taking Kool-Aid McKinstry. Again, uh, I have no trades. It's very possible you guys trade up, even for number one. I know we've talked about this. Um, But in this scenario, let's say you trade a second for Justin Fields, maybe something in the future too, uh, and then take the best defensive player available. Even though the defense has been great, it's just kind of Mm -hmm. an odd odd situation here. You know, best corners on the board, why not? Yeah. 
Um, number 13, I have the Saints. They love their D linemen. They love um, taking players with lots of upside. Braylon Trice, the edge from Washington. I was telling you the other day, he was going to shoot up my board if he had a great, uh, a great sugar bowl, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, Ameka Buka to the Bengals is an interesting one because that's a guy I consider a top tier prospect. There's just so many receivers this year. Someone's going to get a, mm. a nice player in Ameka Buka. Um, A.D. Mitchell to the Chiefs. Another one I know you don't want to hear, but this is a, a ridiculously big body. I've compared him to MVS in the past. Obviously not his uh, you know full potential, but it's it's the same type of player. We saw him with a crazy jump ball in the back of the end zone last night. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Uh, and for my Niner fans, um, your old line's pretty old. Let's keep your uh, your elite quarterback, Brock Purdy, healthy with Kingsley Suamata. Tackle from BYU, transfer from Oregon. If he really wants to, he can sit behind Trent for a year. It doesn't matter. Uh, Niners finally have a first-round pick, so congrats. Um, that's basically it. I thought about going two rounds last night. I was like, let's let's hold off for now. We got we to gotta see a little bit more of these guys. Maybe after the Senior Bowl, we'll have a you know full episode just talking about prospects if there's no, uh, no other news going on. That's basically what I got for your mock draft. Things will still be changing. I think we talked about the other day. There's probably about 60 players right now that could go in the first round. Just about chopping the ones out with medical issues or whatever. Mm. All right. Moving on to our MLB moves that we've seen over this past week. Still in this, you know, full-fledged offseason at this point, getting to the new year. We got a flurry of mid-tier signings and, and a trade or two. Uh, so first of all, we'll start off with the stuff that happened on the 26th and go on from there. Kevin Kiermeyer. Agrees on a one-year deal going back to Toronto. So a good signing for Toronto on getting, you know, gold glove caliber center fielder. Again, uh, Martin Maldonado signed with the White Sox. I think we actually might have mentioned that last time. But regardless, if I didn't, there that is. 37-year-old catcher signing for a team who's not going to be good. He's going back to Houston in mid-June. So, yep. Uh, Connor Capel. Unfortunately, did sign a deal with the Reds. Sucks to see. Uh, obviously, I think Main Scout are probably only person, only people that know that that are listening to this podcast. But Connor Capel, one of my former favorite A's. Uh, after that, moving on to the 27th, we saw IKF Isaiah Kiner Falefa signing a two-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. So he heads up north. The outfielder, infielder, former catcher, and Two-time pitcher this past year for the New York Yankees goes to the six. Uh, after that, we saw Josh Dalmont had a couple good years in the back end of the bullpen for Kansas City. He goes to Minnesota, so stays in the division. Kind of a sleeper arm in that, way that to do bullpen, it. I would say. Yeah. Uh, and then to the 28th, we got Tim Hill, left-handed reliever, going to the Chicago White Sox, going to the south side. Kind of a sneaky signing. He's he's pretty solid, good bullpen arm to have. And the White Sox pick him up there. After that, 29th, we got Lucas Giolito signing a two-year deal with the Boston Red Sox. Kind of a, I would say, high-risk, high-reward, but eh, high-risk, high-reward is probably a better way to describe it. He did not have a good year last year, was on three teams, never really... Got settled in L.A., and then once he got to Cleveland, the season was pretty much over. Regardless, 
Goes to Boston now. I think it's about 18 mil a year for that. Starter market is pretty high regardless. So we knew he's going to get the money, but we just didn't know where he'd go. The answer is that he lands in Boston. Uh, and then Boston also made another move the next day, trading away Chris Sale for Von Grissom, which is a pretty interesting move for both teams. Atlanta gets not, you know, one starter in Chris Sale, but a solid three or four, especially if he could stay healthy uh, in a move that was honestly low risk, high reward because they had no use for Von Grissom. And mm-hmm. we know Von Grissom is solid. He's when he's been up, he's been good. He actually was the guy who ended the Braves season this year. Ironically, that's how it works. The 26 man on your roster is a guy who's coming up with two outs in the ninth when you were down to elimination. But Von Grissom goes to Boston and practically immediately becomes a shortstop or second baseman, depending on where they want to play Trevor Story. Uh, ironically, Von Grissom, I believe it was his MLB debut that he hit his uh, first career home run over the Green Monster. I know that for a fact was there. Uh, so Von Grissom goes back to Boston and that, which is kind of cool. Uh, and then the other move that we saw was Frankie Montas. Uh, hurt most this past year, actually pitched in the last day of the season for the Yankees. He signs a one-year deal with the Cincinnati Reds, $14 million, I want to say. And then there, I believe there's a mutual option in 2025 for that, at around $18 million. I'd say it's a good signing. You know, if he's hurt, it is what it is, but he made a lot of progress to get back to the field. Not a lot of people are going to care. Uh, or not not a lot of people are going to give a shit enough to get back to the field and pitch in one six, game 162 for a team that's already eliminated. Frankie Montas did that, worked his ass off all season just to get one inning last year. So you got admi- to admire that work ethic from Frankie Montas. Now he goes to Cincinnati, a team that was looking for you know four starters, five starters, already added Nick Martinez this offseason, and now they get another guy in, in Frankie Montas. And that's pretty much exactly where we're left off right now. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of rumors uh, okay. I might as well share here now that we're on the topic here. I've heard that the Dodgers are not done. We even got a mm-hmm. little tweet from Trevor Bauer saying they're trying to you know get him to help recruit some Cleveland guys. And we've talked about this before. We knew they were interested in some of those Cleveland arms. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard that the Red Sox are not done. New GM, they're trying to get rid of some of that and unnecessary cap. Maybe Marcelo Myers ready in June and they could just trade Trevor Story and not worry about where he's going to go. Um, I know it's pushing it, but just a hypothetical. I just don't know how many people take on his contract right now with how he played last year. But Send him back to Colorado. <laughs> they might take him. They're trying to Bellinger, man. $350 million probably. <laughs> and uh, our guy Shoto, the last um, last pitcher from Japan. Every Basically everyone who was in on, on Shohei is going to be in on Shoto Amanga, I believe is how you say it, Amanga. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, I've seen a couple of clips of him pitch. I won't act like I, uh, you know, watched him every day. So that's basically mm-hmm. it. Uh, the top teams are buying and selling uh, freely, and some of those middle guys are just sticking with relievers right now. Um, I'm still interested, though. Yeah. Usually seems to be how it goes. But regardless, we will move on to our bold predictions laps and get on out of here. Rough week for us last week. We went one for four in total. The one that I did hit was Detroit plus six for my layup. That was against the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, Detroit didn't win, but it went down to the wire, and that plus six did hit. Skyler had Philly minus ten and a half versus Arizona. Of course, fortunately, that did not hit because Arizona won, but I didn't mind that read from Skyler. 
this week I have Buffalo Miami over 49 and a half. This score went way over the first time that they played. And I know there's these two defenses have kind of developed quite a bit over the course of the season, regardless of, you know, missing guys due to injury, especially with these past few weeks, Xavier Howard being the main guy to talk about on Miami's side. But I think there's a lot of points in this game. This game's in Miami. Weather shouldn't be a huge factor. Taking the over. All right. Uh, my layup here is going to be Washington covering four and a half points against Michigan. It's the national championship game like we were talking about. Michigan has never faced a quarterback like Michael Penix. Uh, Jalen Milrow is a great college player, but that's nothing like what what the Washington offense is going to look like. I don't know if I'm going to straight up pick Washington yet. I got to wait a little bit. They're running back. I really banged up the other day. Dylan Johnson, he's having a great year. So um, for now, we're going to leave it open, leaning towards Michigan, but with the Washington cover, close game. Last week, what prediction? I had the Vegas money line over the Colts. That did not hit, unfortunately. Minshew played a bit better than what I expected. Skyler had Bama over Michigan. That also did not hit. So a rough week for us there in the bull prediction category. This week, I have Tennessee over Jacksonville last week of the season. Trevor Lawrence, we don't know exactly if he's going to play yet. The spread is like 5.5 so or 5.5. So it's like a plus 200 money line right now. Tennessee, Mike Rabel had a quote today showing that his guys are going to be going for it in week 18. And I know they're 5-11. and 11. They only got nothing to play for, but Vrabel wants to get a dub. Somebody who's not used to having to take week 18s off. So I got the Tennessee Titans over the Jags in week 18. All right. Uh, my bull prediction is going to be some basketball, actually. Friday night, I got the Houston Rockets taking down the one-seeded Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota hasn't been scoring a lot this past couple of weeks. Houston has been putting up 130 burgers. I-, I think it's time for Minnesota to have a slip-up game. I'm going to take the Rockets to beat them gonna do it that'll be the end of episode 173 scatter do you have yeah. any closing remarks you want you want to say you're talking about or one last pack 12 after dark game for washington True. that's gonna be sick i'm excited for that yeah uh i don't think i have anything it's a pretty weird week but uh we'll see you after the natty oh yeah next week 174 we will talk about how Michigan's championship run didn't count. We'll see you next week.